0: Could call you Pat if you'd like. Okay. No. Okay. Sorry. Here we go. We actually have some graduates. They graduated this year. We would like to take a moment to recognize them, to give them a little something. So if they are here this morning and you hear your name called, please come up. You've got something you're going to give them? Do you want a microphone? Do you need to speak? Okay. All right. Starting out. Aaron Johnson, where's she at? Is she here? Is she here? There she is. All right, one for one. Aaron Johnson. Audrey Ramsey. There she is. Living the dream. Best Life Now. Luke Maurer, where is he at? Audrey, where's Luke? (laughs) (laughs) Autumn Verkinnis, oh, she's not here. All right, well, we're three for four. Is Maddie here? Yes, she is. Madeline Templeton. And Annabelle Fowler. Kevin, she's, well, (laughs) we'll give it to her later. All right, well, congratulations. Congrats, 2021. Awesome blossom. At this time, I'll turn it over to you, Ted. All
1: right, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations everyone that graduated. That's a, a pretty big accomplishment and uh, you deserve all the, all the accolades that you get for that. When I graduated many, many years ago, I was, uh, it was in uh, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, it was the hottest stinking day of the year. I remember that, that's about all I remember about my graduation, but it was hot. And we had like 600 people in our class, so it took a long time. Long time to wear those robes, that's for sure. So many of you know that I grew up in the Cleveland area, which means that I grew up as a Browns fan. And uh, you may say, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about that is it prepared me to follow the Lions once I moved to Michigan. They're, they're two of the only four teams that have never made it to a Super Bowl, and I think I was three the last time the, the Browns won a championship. So it's been a while, been a while. But last year, it was pretty exciting. The Browns had a, had a very decent team. Uh, they made it to the playoffs against their arch enemies, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, that first round, and, and if you don't know, the Browns playing the Steelers is, would be like the Lions and the Packers going head to head in the playoffs. It's that kind of a intense, really don't like you or your city rivalries. And uh, the Browns, I don't know if you remember, it's been a few months, but they jumped out ahead. They just, like the defense was tormenting the Steelers. They kept giving up the ball, the Browns kept scoring, and they, they got off to a pretty, pretty healthy lead. And then the Steelers started chipping away. They started coming back, and as a Browns fan, you know, my nails were getting bit down to the nub, and you're pacing, you're texting each other going, same old Browns, and, yeah, same old Lions, and uh, the Browns hung on. They had had this last-minute kind of interception that stopped the Steelers, and led the Browns to victory in that first, uh, first round of the playoffs. Man, that was exciting. I hope Lions fans get to experience that real soon, too. I have Lions jerseys, too, don't worry. You know what? As I thought about that game, I thought about how, well, fans in the stands, fans at home, we're getting anxious, we're getting nervous, we're pressing the panic button. That's not what the players did. The players on the field had a game plan. They stuck to their game plan. They didn't panic. And, you know, if they played another quarter, who knows which team would have won. I believe that God does not want us to panic in our lives here. I believe that uh, the passage we're going to look at today tells us that there are no panic buttons in God's kingdom. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. I'll be reading from the uh, Christian Standard Version. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't He do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I think the theme that, that Jesus is getting across to his, his audience there at the Sermon on the Mount and to us a couple thousand years later as we read his words uh, the theme is that there are no panic buttons in the kingdom. The two things we're going to see in this passage, number one, Jesus says, stop worrying about life. The second thing, he says, start seeking the kingdom of God. Let's pray and then we'll dig into that. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity um, to worship. Lord, I thank you for our praise team I thank you for um, Bud leading us in in the songs and and doing all the behind the scenes work. I thank you for just this this wealth of talent that we have here musically. Thank you for those that are um, doing this not to glorify themselves but to glorify God to lead us to your throne. Lord I thank you for uh, others in our church family that teach young people, teach children, teach adults. Uh, Lord, thank you that um, the word of God is alive, it's active, and we have people that care about your word, people that want your word to be taught and we want to do it right. Thank you for that. Lord, thank you for these graduates uh, making it to this milestone achievement in their lives. And uh, as it It says in commencement, uh, it's really not an ending, it's a new beginning. So Lord, I pray for your care over each of these individuals as we see what's next. And as you lead and and grow, teach them, help them to follow all your ways that you would direct their paths and that uh, we just get to enjoy seeing you at work in their lives in the days and the years ahead. Now, Father, we ask that you would teach us, help us to um, focus on the words of Jesus. And Lord, I know that as we come here, we have worries, we have anxieties. Uh, Lord, may your words, may the truth of Jesus' teaching guard, guide our hearts, and and lead us into uh, lives of not worry, but trust. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So stop worrying about life, Matthew 6.25. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Yesterday we did something we haven't done since probably last June. We actually ate in a restaurant. Um, We went on vacation last June right when things were starting to open up again, and uh, we ate in a couple of outdoor restaurants, and then we stayed at this lighthouse up in the UP. Uh, where that was kind of a bed and breakfast kind of a thing. And uh, this guy sitting at the table right here, imagine, imagine if Danny DeVito was, was staying at this lighthouse with you. That's who this guy was like, coughing all over everything while we're eating. It, you know, it, it kind of makes you feel like, yeah, I don't know that I want to share food with anybody for a while. We were worried about that. We were worried about, you know, what's going to happen in a week later. Does this guy have COVID? Um, fortunately, he did, and fortunately, we were fine. But that was, you know, that was kind of like one of those turning points where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to be cautious. Maybe, a, maybe we were a little bit too worried. But yesterday, um, we got to celebrate my my grandson Emmett. He's been doing this little ninjas karate thing, and he got a little stripe on his belt, and so. Uh, On our way back from from watching him do that, we went to uh, Sam's out here in Rankin and and, uh, got some pizza and salad and and had a good time, but it was like we said, since that experience, our first time in a restaurant, the funny thing is we were the only ones there, so I don't know how much of a a test of faith that was, but um, anyway, we broke the ice, right? In this passage, Jesus teaches us about three necessities of life. Three things that all of us need to survive. He talks about our food, um, he talks about our clothes, and I think we could we could add shelter into that as well. And then he talks about our future. And as Jesus speaks, he uses some examples from nature to help us understand what kind of a God that we have that is watching out for us, that's looking out for us, that is caring these things that cause us worry and cause us concern. Worry is a word that means to be pulled apart in different directions. Um, We don't often use this word maybe anymore, but when when you're untangling a knot, that's called worrying. You're pulling all those little strings and trying to pull, uh, pull it apart in different directions. Worrying happens as when we worry, we come apart at the seams, don't we? That's what worry does to us. WebMD says that chronic worrying can affect your daily life so much it may interfere with your appetite, your lifestyle, your habits, your sleep, your work, even your relationships. Uh, God does not want worrying to be one of the uh, hallmarks of his children. And so Jesus uh, brings this into focus here in Matthew chapter 6. And he begins by saying, don't fret about food. Look at the birds. Verse 26, consider the birds of the sky, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Wow. What a a thought. What a concept. Um, he. People, any birders, we have birdhouses or birdseed, anything like that. You watch the birds. Nobody, nobody. We like going to. Oh, good. We like going to Shiawassee uh, Nature Preserve and, and driving around. You get to see herons and you get to see pelicans and ducks and all kinds of all kinds of birds out there. That's kind of a, a cool thing to do. But you know what? We don't see when we drive through that nature preserve. We don't see barns. We don't see birds flying in and out of the barn, stocking things up for, uh, for the future. They're not stockpiling fish in a freezer somewhere. They trust God. The birds trust God for what they need every single day. Did you know that a morning dove eats 12 to 20 percent of its body weight? If, if that was a 150-pound person, that would mean they need to eat 22 and a half pounds of food a day. That's a lot of food. Chickadees eat eat even more, 35% of their body weight every single day. Hummingbirds, pretty much 100% of their body weight in nectar every single day. They don't go to Walmart or Sam's to get their food. The Lord provides it. And Jesus is saying, Look around, look at these birds that's how God takes care of the birds, how much more will he take care of you? In fact, if you scan up a few verses in Matthew chapter 6 when he taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray about their food. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is following that up and saying, every day, God knows what you need. We had a, an experience where we really felt God at work in that in our own lives. Um, the first church we served at here in Michigan, um, without going into the details, it was just a time that the whole staff uh, felt it was time to move on. And of course, as you move on from a church, you usually don't have a place, another job lined up. And we had three little kids. And we're thinking to ourselves, how is God going to meet these needs? A couple days later, there was a knock on the door and some really good friends from the church had boxes and grocery bags and, you know, packages, all kinds of food. They just kept bringing it in and kept bringing it in. And, and come to find out they were affiliated with Love Incorporated, uh, Love in the Name of Christ. And they told them about this need and they just, man, they loaded us up. Uh, That is how we personally at that time saw God care for our needs when we didn't know necessarily where the next meal was coming from. So be like a bird. Don't fret about food. Trust your Heavenly Father to provide your daily nourishment. The second thing we see Jesus speaking to is he's saying, "Don't, don't fuss over clothes. Be like a wildflower. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Clothes shopping is not one of my favorite things. Um, It's great if you can do it online. But uh, I like going to Columbia. I like going to Under Armour. And when we were on vacation a couple weeks ago, there was a Duluth trading store right on our route. Man, I love Duluth. We went in there, and uh, they were having a big sale, and I got these new jeans. They're cool, Coolmax, supposed to keep you cooler than regular jeans. I figured today's a pretty good day to try it out. And so far, I give them a thumbs up. One of the things that we've discovered, though, about clothes, um, God has always met that need for us. However, now that we're empty nesters, somehow we take up all the closets that, with our clothes that we had when three other kids lived in the house with us. I'm not sure if other empty nesters have that or not, but uh, I, 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 I kind of blame myself because I have my fat clothes and my not-as-fat clothes, and i got to kind of keep those wardrobes... Uh, for those different times of year. But God does take care of our needs. Takes care of our needs for shelter, for clothing, for protection. And Jesus uses that picture of how beautiful a field of wildflowers is. And says, look at this. These flowers don't do anything to make themselves beautiful. It's all part of God's DNA and how God has taken care of the flowers. And he's saying, if God can do that for the flowers, God can do that for you. Of course, his audience wasn't like North America today where you have closets that you can pick out a few outfits from. They had the clothes that they wore and maybe one other set. So when Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, That made a a big impression on that audience. Not only can God provide, but we also see that God can make things last, can't he? Think about the Israelites in the wilderness. For 40 years, no one needed a new outfit. No one needed a new pair of shoes. God miraculously took care of their need for clothing. If he could do that, I think we can trust him to take care of our need for clothing and shelter as well. So be like a wildflower. Don't fuss over clothes. Stop being anxious and trust your Heavenly Father to take care of that need in your life. Now the third need that Jesus talks about, it affects every one of us, even if we have a a well-stocked fridge, um, even if our freezer is is full from... uh, Maybe you got a deer or something in the fall, and you got enough meat in the freezer. But we worry about tomorrow. We worry about tomorrow. And so Jesus says in verse 34, don't lose sleep over the future. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's true, isn't it? Man, if, if, if we knew <laughs> ahead of time what might happen tomorrow, well, we'd be nothing but a bundle of nerves. D.A. Harrison puts it this way, It is as if Jesus recognizes that there will be some unavoidable worry today after all. But let's limit it to the concerns of today. Our gracious God intends us to take one step at a time, no more to be responsible today and not fret about tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And if there will be new troubles tomorrow, so also will there be fresh grace. Man, I love that. I love that. There's a saying that says, don't let your Bundy ruin your Sunday. Kind of, I think, applies here. Don't, don't let the worries about tomorrow keep you from enjoying today. Why is that? I think what Jesus is telling us is we can spend so much time worrying and trying to figure out things that we don't have time left for what he's called us to do. We don't have time to participate in the work of the kingdom. So Jesus says, don't worry so much. John Piper puts it this way. What we see when we look at the birds is a creature who does not act as though God is only a merciful provider for today, but won't be tomorrow. They go about their work as though when the sun comes up tomorrow, God will still be God. Man, that's good. That's good. So to paraphrase Jesus' when we are worrying, it's pulling us away from what God is intending for us. In fact, it means we're acting like we really don't know God. I was talking with a lady over at Bristol Road after the service, and she told me that when she retired, and when her husband retired, this passage really spoke to her. She said, I was worried. I didn't know. You know, I was worried about the future, worried about Money? And she says, and then I read Jesus say, oh, ye of little faith. And she said, I got it. I got it. God is still God tomorrow. Verses 31 and 32. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. It's not a surprise to God when our clothes wear out and when our, you know, our, you look at our grandkids and you see them all winter in long pants and stuff and then in the summer they wear shorts and it seems like they've grown this much. And they're little kids. I mean, parents, you know what it's like trying to keep clothes on your kids. This says God will provide. There's more to life than Worrying about how our basic needs are going to be met. Verse 27, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Of course, the obvious answer, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. We don't add to our lives by worrying. In fact, we take away from our health by worrying. Jesus says in verse 30 that worrying about this stuff is an indicator that our faith is small. And he says, but God is able. Even when our faith is small, God is able. Look at verses uh, 29 to 31. Oh, excuse me, I'm in Matthew now. I'm in Matthew 10 now. I, I did a mental flip over here and did, didn't explain it to you. Matthew 10, 29 to 31. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus is telling us God values who we are. You could look out over a flock of birds in a field, and there's lots of them, and God's taking care of them. And Jesus says, when you see that flock of birds, remember God values you even more. We so appreciated getting Pastor Larry's letter this week. Um, Appreciate the updates Bud gives us every week to let us know how his dad is feeling. But you you could just sense a positive spirit in in Pastor's letter. Hopefully you could hear his voice in those words with his accent reading them as as you read it. And, and he talked about um, how this church uh, just pulls together. Um, people have had to get out of their comfort zones and, and serve uh, while, he's, while he's been away. But um, we're just so thankful that God has provided a need through his people. Sometimes God uses us to provide that need. Maybe it's a need of food. Maybe it's a need of clothing. Maybe it's a listening ear. And what we've experienced since we've been part of New Haven is that when needs are known, people respond. And what a privilege it is to be God's hands and feet and and be part of his plan to meet someone else's needs. Um, The opportunity that we had together... Um, to to provide for some air conditioning, uh, for a a better mattress, uh, to help with Pastor Larry's recuperation. Man, that's that's exciting when God says, I want you. I want to use you to help meet someone's need. That's something man, we, we should be excited about. What a privilege. What a privilege it is when God gives us the opportunities to do that. The Bible is clear God knows our needs, and God can be trusted. I like what Tyler Reagan said. If God were ever to let any of us down, we would be the very first. We serve a sovereign, holy, life-giving God, and he is not in the business of being unfaithful. So how do we move from worry to trust? How do we become kingdom seekers? Well, I think what Jesus is telling us, he's he's setting us up for this. He's saying, remember, recognize, God knows what you need and God cares about what you need. He has our back. His storehouses are full. Verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And then I think what he's trying to get us to understand is that we can substitute all the time and effort and energy that we put into worrying by trust, replace it with trusting God, and then take that time, that energy, that effort, and serve God's kingdom with it. Verse 33 But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things. What are the things? Food shelter, rest, freedom from worry, all these things will be added and provided for you. You say, well, what is this kingdom I'm supposed to be seeking? I I like John Piper's definition. He said that the kingdom is the reign of God, R-E-I-G-N, the authority, the control, God working all things out. The reign of God, he's governing all things. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom? I like what uh, Danny Akin says. Seeking God's rule and reign above all other things in your life. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? Seeking God's rule and reign. And he follows it up with this. Go for God and his kingdom with all you have and watch him take care of everything else you need. Wow. Good words, good words. Easy to hear, sometimes harder to put into practice. So how do we put some of this into practice? How do we work ourselves on having that objective of being a kingdom seeker? and living a kingdom-oriented lifestyle? Well, let's first remember not to push the panic button. Remember that our emergencies may catch us off guard, but they never catch the Lord off guard. His heavenly storehouse is equipped to meet our needs, and often those needs are met by a kingdom-seeking church. Remember what this passage tells us about God's heart. He knows what you need, and it's in his nature to provide it. His provision may not be according to our time schedule or our calendar, but it's always timely, and it's never late. And God's not stingy. Sometimes we don't understand why we're not seeing certain things happen when We think they should. But remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 3. He provides abundantly more than anything we could ever ask or think. If we're going to be kingdom-oriented kingdom seekers, we also need to remember what this passage tells us about our own hearts. It reminds us that if we're not intentionally seeking God's kingdom, our focus is going to turn inward. And when our focus turns inward, we worry more, don't we? Know that God only knows what we need. He supplies our needs and often makes what we already have go further than we ever could. Henry Blackaby puts it this way. Churches can fixate on what they don't have and fail to recognize what God has already given them. God can take what you already have Use it powerfully. As we day by day get into the the practice of trusting God, we're going to discover that as he cares for the basics like food and clothes in the future, we have a foundation. A foundation to trust God when the really big stuff, the really big emergencies come along. And that we can serve the kingdom now by redirecting our time, our energy that we use to worry into doing kingdom great commission work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made promises and that you always keep your promises. Father, I pray for those of us that have come in today to worship uh, with burdens heavy on our heart worries about the bigger things and Father I just pray that you would do what you promised that you will provide that you will walk with us that we can trust that you have a plan even when things happen that we don't understand and Father, thank you that we can lean into you, we can trust you and that you want to use us to uh, to meet needs in other people's lives that you take care of people through the church. Thank you for the opportunities that you give that we can be your hands and feet and that we can be part of your plan. how wonderful it is that you invite us to exchange our worry for faith and to see you at work as we trust in you thank you for being a god who loves us a god who cares a god who knows our future in jesus name amen
0: this time the ushers will come forward We'll worship through our tithes and our offerings. And let me say a quick prayer over the offering, please. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll just bless this, this offering, this tithe, Lord. You'll use it to nourish your church, advance your kingdom, and share your gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, very quickly, I'm just very encouraged today. We have, we had somebody get married yesterday, and they said, we want to assemble, we want to gather together our first Sunday morning, being a married couple, we want to worship. So I want to say, congratulations, Alec, which sometimes I understand you get called Alex and I apologize. Alec. And Heather Keller. Congratulations. Happy to have you here this morning. It was a married couple. Congrats. And they wanted to come together with their, with their church this morning. Let's do that. Let's sing. People come together, strange as neighbors. Blood is one children of generation. on this one truth God is manly in love with you so take courage hold on be strong remember where our help comes from this one voice we sing See you next Sunday. Y'all are dismissed.
1: That was was for the offering, right?
2: Oh In they church, hat clap, man it sugar Every color, purple coming back, clap. Uh, thing. when that whole week beat you up and stress but yes. you hear that organ playing, and remind you reminds you. And yeah. rose up all of his goodness daughters goodness. to glorify him with honor. Oh. Cause the church can be full of members, but if the (laughs) inconversion Sight is lost here and around breaking down my chaos I know you stay true when my world is lost everything around's breaking down my chaos I always see you when my sight is lost. Ever stop you Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty too since when has impossible ever stop Sleeve, the just putting on the ritz. Our God is an awesome God. There's thunder in His footsteps and lightning in His feet. Our God is an awesome God. Oh <laughs> Yeah.